0: Welcome to the Organizing Ideas podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Karen, and we are two new librarians and your hosts for this podcast. Together, we're taking a closer
1: look at the relationships between organizing information and community organizing, how libraries and archives are never neutral, and what we mean when we say that knowledge is power. We are recording on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples.
0: Today, we'd like to recap some of our reading highlights of 2019
1: yeah so we're hoping to end the year with a fun episode featuring one of our favorite things which is books
0: <laughs> although i do wonder like there still a, is a month like what if i read something in the next few weeks that i really <laughs> like we will edit in a little clip
1: of you talking about it. Um, because I hope you read more fantastic books this year. Yeah, me
0: too. I don't think I'm going to get anything done. This... Once
1: your classes are over, yeah, you'll read something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's just jump right into it. Yeah. So, Karen, yeah, we can okay. go back and forth. Do you want to tell me about one of your favorites from this year?
0: Okay, so the first one I thought of was Chop Suey Nation by Anne Hui. She's a journalist, and she... Um, talks about, I think she lives in she lived in Burnaby and now she's in Toronto and the book asks why so many small towns in Canada have Chinese restaurants that have the same decor and menu even though it's not a chain and um, and the book kind of talks about like authentic food and how these restaurants aren't seen as authentic food but they've been here for so long and so she goes on a road trip from victoria on vancouver island on the westernmost coast of canada and then she drives in this tiny little rental car with her partner all the way to newfoundland oh
1: my god and
0: she visits all of these um restaurants and so yeah she interviews these people and the book is also mixed with a history of her family because it turns out that her parents also ran a chinese restaurant so um that was a really fun book to read
1: is it like funny, theory, serious? what like, what's the mood of it? Would you say?
0: I find it's very kind of almost biographical. It's very like the language is very easy to read. Um, it's a very quick one too, and there are like pictures of oh, restaurants. Awesome. Um, yeah, she like she. It's very prosaic too. She just kind of narrates um, her story and also the stories of all of these restaurant owners. Mm, cool. Okay
1: on my uh things to read list now
0: (laughs) how about you what was the first thing that you thought of
1: um well I this is the first year that I've ever kept track all year of what I read okay I know that a lot of people do that on Goodreads every year I started off the year on Goodreads thanks Mm -hmm. to Jenna our friend from library school she like taught me how to use Goodreads but then I switched to doing it on the library website and um yeah, so I feel like it's the first time I've actually been able to look back at what I've read and think about it because usually I just read stuff and I forget so mm-hmm. fast. But the first book I read this year was actually really beautiful, and so it would be the first one I would talk about. And it's called *Starlight* uh, by Richard Wagamese, and it was a gift from my grandma. She gave it to me for Christmas last year. She always like picks books she really likes and then buys. I have a lot of cousins, so she like will wow. <laughs> we'll give like she'll have like a couple that all of us get. Um, so this was one of them last year, and it was a very beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've actually read two of his books because I know he's written many different books. Um, and I realized, like halfway through reading this, that it was the sequel to the, to Medicine Walk, which is the other one of his oh, that I've read, which okay. was kind of cool. Um, but it's really beautiful. It was unfinished when he passed away, and so you the book doesn't really well. Obviously, the book ends, but it um, is sort of cut off partway through, and then there's this section at the end with notes about like what he was planning to do with yeah. the rest of the story. Uh, and I was really worried when I started it because I like reading long series. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about half a book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but actually it was really beautifully written. And the book is about a woman and her daughter who are fleeing from like uh, an abusive relationship. And they end up staying with this indigenous man who has a farm in like rural backcountry BC kind of thing. And it's very beautiful about, like, reconnecting to land and building new relationships. And um, it doesn't need to be finished because, like, the power of that book is all these beautiful moments in it. Like, it's really nice. I really recommend that book. So, That's so interesting
0: you said, like, it doesn't need to be
1: finished. Yeah. Because as a
0: reader, I feel like, no, I want (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, i know i like closure i like very lot of closure in books
0: <laughs> but um
1: yeah it worked and also because the notes do give a pretty good sense of where the book was gonna end and you can kind of imagine it like he's given you such a rich world and yeah. characters that you can see where things are going it felt more like watching a movie i feel like movies often oh. don't really conclude very satisfactorily you kind of are like what's gonna happen next i yeah. always feel that way and this felt more like that
0: to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway. cool. Okay, yeah. that sounds. Wow. Okay, I think I'd heard of it, but I didn't know it was like unfinished.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. Tell me about another one, Karen. Okay. Uh,
0: the other one was the Tiger Flu by Larissa Lai This one had a really gorgeous color. It kind of looked like there was a tiger on it, and it kind of like there were all these colors circling around it, so it kind of looked like a kaleidoscope, and the book. Kind of felt like it, like it felt very confusing, very kind of steampunky. Um, it's it's about it's set kind of here, so she references like Coast Salish peoples a lot, and I think maybe some Vancouver streets, I can't quite remember, but it was very confusing. I didn't really know what was happening. It's set kind of in the future, kind of apocalyptic. And it's about two, it alternates on two women. One of them, her name is Kirilo, and she's a doctor. I don't think they call it a doctor, though. And she lives in this community with all her clone sisters. And her lover is this woman named um, Peristrophe, I think, is how you say it? Oh, my God. And she's, every time I saw it, I was like, I had to, like, trip over it. Yeah. I was like, paristrophe. <laughs> Um, but she's a starfish woman, so she can like regenerate her organs, and so like that part like Kat was kind of squeamish because she would describe like the surgery to this person that she really loved, so that her community of clone sisters could keep living. And there's like disease everywhere, but then um, the starfish peristrophe dies, and so Kirilo has to find another one. And then so the other chapters focus on a woman named Cora. Was also a starfish but she doesn't want to like let her body be harvested yeah and then they're kidnapped um and so then like the novel kind of explores like their relationship and um what happens next
1: whoa yeah
0: it was very like you're reading and you're like i don't know what's going on but it's kind of (laughs) cool so you enjoyed it despite the confusion yeah i think i would read it again i think I, Mm -hmm. i need to and i was kind of like speeding through it yeah too
1: yeah, actually, it's funny because I read the first chapter of that book, and I was like, yeah. "This, I don't understand what's going on. I can't read this book. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just need a book that's easy to read, and it was yeah. a moment like that, and I thought, oh, no, this isn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should revisit it over the holidays. Maybe. It feels like, like a when you wintery slow, slow down. book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it felt very gray, and I was reading it in the summer, uh-huh. so that felt like a big disconnect, okay. too. Okay,
1: yeah. That's funny. Um, it's cool to read books that are set in a place you know even Mm -hmm. if they're kind of making it a bit unfamiliar. Yeah, because you Um, could
0: recognize it, but it was clearly futuristic, but not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A book that also does that, Um, I I read it last year, I think, because otherwise it would probably be on my list here, which is Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars by Kai Cheng Tom. Uh And in that book, um, similarly, like, the main character grew up in a city that's not called vancouver but is vancouver yeah. and then moves to a city that's not called montreal but i think is montreal like i i, I know kai cheng from going to school in montreal together and so a mm-hmm. lot of the stuff oh, that okay. she describes i was like it sounds like a like a magical realism version of montreal and it's really cool to explore a yeah. city through that kind of lens because mm-hmm. i feel like i don't know how we interact with the places we live is sort of like that right
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know like different places have this mood to them or yeah.
0: I don't know I used to not like reading books set in Vancouver really yeah because it felt like like, oh this place isn't special I live here oh um, interesting but now it feels like oh I live here and, yeah um, maybe, yeah I don't know I just it felt kind of like oh this isn't a real book because I recognize it
1: did you read books set in Vancouver as a kid?
0: Um or sometimes, when... I think because I was in uh what is it called Red Cedar, yeah, that reading club that we had in elementary school and so they would really encourage books with like, like local. that yeah, yeah. That, with that maple leaf stamp. Um so I'd read those books sometimes and I think I did like them, but there was a weird it was it felt weird seeing yeah. like the places that I grew up in a novel.
1: I have such an opposite reaction i grew up in victoria and um i can remember so distinctly the first book i ever read that had victoria in it which is awake and dreaming by kit pearson Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe it's because there's less things in victoria because it's smaller (laughs) but i remember being like holy like That's bananas awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this book is where i live and yeah. there was like the fairy was in it and it made me feel so much more connected to the yeah. world because i feel like so many books you read as a kid or that i read as a kid because i read a lot of fantasy they're all like in europe or they're in like yeah, new, like new a, york or, i don't know whatever yeah. or it's in a place that doesn't exist whatever and i always felt like oh all these cool things happen to people far away and nothing ever happens here mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah
1: Um, it also relates to the next book i was going to talk about Mm -hmm. which is called trickster drift by eden robinson and part of the reason i love that book is because it's set in east vancouver where i live (laughs) and she describes like specific like cafes or streets or the housing co-op where jared lives and i like know where these places are and it was really cool um reading that book and living here but that book, it's a—it's the sequel to her book Son of a Trickster. Mm-hmm. And in this book, Jared, who's the main character, he's quit drugs and he's quit drinking and he's um, moved to Vancouver and he's going to go to school, I think at BCIT. Ooh, and I know um, where that is too. Exactly, right? <laughs> and he is in some ways trying to distance himself from um, his life in Kinemat. I think is where he's from. And in other ways, you, like, you can't escape your past, right? Yeah. Um, and he's you know figuring out his relationship with his aunt who lives here and who his his mom is estranged with and so he's never really known and he's trying to avoid all the magic and chaos that goes along with it that um was really a you know big part of the first book i don't want to say everything that happens in it because it's like both of the books are like do this thing where they escalate quickly let's say (laughs) and all of a sudden you're like oh my god, <laughs> everything is happening. Um, Yeah, it's good. And I okay. like that it was set here.
0: Yeah, especially if it's set so close.
1: So close.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, uh, I remember reading that book and then going for a walk to get groceries or something, and I was like, literally, I just read a scene set in that <laughs> cafe right there, or, like three blocks from my house. Yeah. 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 It makes
0: you think, like, the author must have been here, too. I think she lives here. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And so I think, think she I knows this... this- book on my list but um i'm taking an english class for external credit right now and we aren't reading that many novels actually like some of my classmates are like oh it must be so nice to just read novels i'm like actually we're reading a lot of scholarship Uh mostly about settler colonialism and (laughs) 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 racism but one of the novels is disappearing moon cafe by sky lee and our class uh, for the past two months has been set in chinatown and so um in September and October when the weather actually the weather has always been really nice when we had class we would walk around the neighborhood and our professor would point out like the places where like the cafe was here the building was here and now it looks like this and um it was a totally different experience to like actually be in the neighborhood and be in the setting as opposed to like in Buchanan Tower like a literal tower at university yeah so I appreciate it now whereas I didn't before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always like to do that when I travel too I like to read a book set where I'm going oh. to kind of get in that headspace. Yeah, I us
0: do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: just another one. Does
1: that count as one of your favorites or do you want to talk about a different Yeah, let's favorite. add that. Disappear Okay.
0: <laughs> <canvas>. <laughs> that one was also hard to keep track of though just because of all the narrative it jumped back and forth a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah um well i can just briefly say a rabbit hole that i ended up um deep in (laughs) this year was romance novels and Mm -hmm. i started reading them for work at the library because uh people will ask for recommendations and i was like i don't know anything about this genre not something i've ever read and so i thought i better learn something about it and do some reading so i started reading all these contemporary romance novels Um, because I just couldn't really get in the headspace of the historical ones, which are usually super, like, European nobility, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I learned that I really like the trope of a fake relationship. Oh! (laughs) Something about it, I mean, I think it lends itself to a lot of funny situations when people are pretending to be dating, but they're actually not. And then stuff happens, and they have to... I don't know, dig themselves deeper in these funny holes. I I find it pretty hilarious. So some that I would recommend if anybody wants to, you know, like go on that adventure are uh, The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, um, Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory, and Prince on Paper by Alyssa Cole are all really good and very funny and great characters and... Um, All three of them do interesting stuff in terms of like the diversity of characters and some of the like subplots going on around ability and race and gender and sexuality. And I really like that too. How did you find these books? Like, did you just pick them off the shelf? Some of them I picked off the shelf, benefit of working in a library. (laughs) And some of them, actually, most of the romance I read because I have this internalized shame around reading romances i read on my e-reader because i don't Mm -hmm. want people to know that i'm reading them and i know that that's problematic (laughs) and i also it's also true for me (laughs) so (laughs) um also because i read a lot on transit and i think it's because well this also i think has to do with gender and race and age and stuff like that but people talk to me a lot on transit oh really all the time oh Oh my god yeah that's why i got bigger headphones i find them less comfortable than wearing earbuds but i think it Sends like, people that don't yeah. talk to me signal because, oh, but usually by the time I'm done work, I'm, I have no more social energy yeah, to give. Um, but anyway, so yeah, people often talk to me on transit and I don't want people to talk to me about what I'm reading. So mm-hmm. if I'm reading things that are, that I need to take out of the house, <laughs> which is most of the time I read them on my e-reader, <laughs> this relates to the question you asked how, because you asked how I found them. So yeah. on... Overdrive, which mm-hmm. is the platform that both Vancouver and West Van and Burnaby Public Libraries, which are the libraries I use and have worked at, um, they use Overdrive for their for their ebooks, and it will recommend to you things similar to what you've read. Oh, okay. So I use that, and then I look at lists that people have made online, and I read a lot of book blogs, um, and that's how I find them. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Gotta add this <laughs> podcast to
1: the... <laughs> ways to find things. <laughs> ways to find things.
0: Um, yeah. Over to you, Karen. Well, the other one maybe kind of related, not really, uh, but just in terms of like relationships was The Hungry Ghosts Mm -hmm. by Shyam Salvadori. And I had bought this book at a library sale a few years ago for like a couple of cents. And then I finally read it now and I can't believe that I had this book sitting like on my bookshelf for so many years. It's so good. I loved it. I read it over the summer and it starts out in Colombo in sri lanka and then kind of bounces back to um between uh toronto canada as well because the main character shivan um they immigrate or yeah they kind of they leave and he the summer kind of describes how he grows from his grandmother's beloved and beautiful grandson to a striking gay man and i think when i read that i was like oh that's interesting i'll I'll buy this book but nothing really like pushed me to read it, but it like the relationships, especially like the intergener intergenerational relationships in the book were very familiar. Even though mm-hmm. I don't have a strong relationship to my grandparents because they're very far away, but just those expectations, like those generational expectations, and like um, those tensions there, um, it was great. Uh, it's it's a beautifully written book. Um, and the hungry ghost portion alludes to um, in Buddhism, and I read this a lot when I was reading a lot of like East Asian stories. Um, when you die, your spirit, especially if you've, I think it's like if you've desired too much in your life, then you will become like a hungry ghost, and you'll never be satiated. So your living relatives have to, um, I can't remember if like they have to burn paper money. I think that's part of it, but also like they have you have to do. You have to create good karma, do good things so that you don't become a hungry ghost. And Mm. that's kind of always brought up in the story. Like, why are you hurting me? Like, I'll become a ghost if this happens. And um, so there's a lot of pressure on the main character, who's also gay, to kind of not be. (laughs) Yeah, it was very good. And I read um, the author's other book, Funny Boy, which is also similar. Um, And it's like a story set in six parts
1: cool what a serendipitous find at the library book sale (laughs) that intergenerational thing I didn't put this book on our list but it was like the one that I put on and then took off um because I really did love it and I just read it last week is Ivan Coyote's new book Rebent Sinner and I love their writing and I have seen them read a couple of times live and if you ever get the chance you have to go because they're a really good storyteller. Um, and this is their newest book and it talks quite a bit about, um, like intergenerational queer relationships and mentorships and friendships and, uh, that kind of thing. And it's really powerful and very beautiful. Um, and, uh, and I would highly recommend that and every other one of their books.
0: That's Always. so exciting! I haven't read any of the books that oh no. some of them are on my list, but I haven't read them
1: yet. <laughs> the one I would say to start with, maybe I mean I think all their books are good. The one that for me was like pew, brain firework loveliness um, is Tomboy Survival Guide.
0: Oh, that's been on my list for like a yeah. couple years now. It's really good. Okay,
1: and um, I just can't recommend it highly enough. Okay. It's the their writing is that incredible balance of tones where it's so heartbreaking and heartwarming and hilarious Mm. and um, as a you know youngish non-binary person figuring myself out over the last few years their writing just really reflected thing back to me things i had experienced or thought about in ways that almost nothing else i'd ever read had and Mm -hmm. that's like a pretty awesome thing to experience Yeah. yeah yeah oh cool yeah another book that does that in a in in really different ways um that like reflecting back of experiences and 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 hitting different tones and stuff like that um is maybe my favorite book of 2019 although i don't know hard to say just one but it was the right book for me at exactly the right time And that's Little Blue Encyclopedia for Vivian Mm -hmm. by Hazel Jane Plant. And this book is really beautiful. It's written, um, uh, like narrated from the perspective of a trans woman who's very close friend, who is another trans woman who was kind of a mentor for her and someone that she loved very deeply, um, has passed away. And she's grieving and she is remembering their friendship. And the book is written in this really interesting style, which is that it's written as if it's an encyclopedia of a TV show they loved. The two of them. That was, like, their TV show as friends. Called Little Blue. That's why it's called Little Blue Encyclopedia.
0: So the whole novel is in, like, encyclopedia format. Yeah. So it's, like, A.
1: And there's, like, a cute illustration. Yeah. I don't remember the illustrator's name. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll put it in the episode notes. Um, And... B and then there's like little yeah. illustration. And in each section there's um entries about characters from the show or places from the show. And it's not strictly encyclopedia. Yeah. Because it, you know, for example, she'll be writing about a character and then she'll like describe a specific scene they were in and how um how Vivian reacted to that scene. Or like mm-hmm. how the two of them would discuss it, or like a thing that it reminds her of that they did together. Yeah. Um so it's really beautiful. It does this cool thing which is show how pop culture which is so often dismissed can be such a powerful force in our lives and our friendships and um in our memories and it celebrates that and it um you know also reflects on um friendship in really beautiful ways and on loss Mm -hmm. and on grief and it's you know for a book about grief and many other things. It also has very funny moments and um, tongue-in-cheek moments. Um, Hazel's Mm -hmm. sense of humor is really, really great. And yeah, to me it combined a lot of different styles and and themes that I like a lot because I also read a lot of fanfic. Yeah. And... (laughs) Um, and there's an element of that in this format, right? So if it's in that format, yeah. does the timeline
0: kind of jump around?
1: A little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. Like there is a narrative arc to the book, but definitely it, it jumps in
0: terms of what what things she's remembering and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mine's yeah. any, a book that I read that was kind of like that was, I think it was called The Lover's Dictionary. And it was in alphabetical order, but because it was like that, the timeline just jumps, So sometimes they were together and sometimes they weren't. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just going to look it up really quickly
1: she's done it really well like in terms of i was worried when i went into reading it because i often read things that are very plot driven i was like am i going to be able to follow what's going on if it's not mm-hmm. happening a b c d oh yeah. that's a bad explanation because this is an encyclopedia but if it's not <laughs> happening like one two three four um and i was like more it, linear. it had a you know it had a really clear arc yeah. hazel worked on this book. i went to her book launch so i know also know a lot about the book <laughs> from the book launch because she talked about it and she wrote this book over like nine years so you know that time it's clear that this was really well thought out well crafted book Mm -hmm. yeah wow if you want to read it because I know that you live in Burnaby (laughs) and anyone else who lives or works or hangs out in Burnaby um we're gonna be doing it for a book club book at the Ooh. Burnaby Public Library in the okay. new year that I'm going to be facilitating. And I'm really yeah. excited about it. And so if you want to join us, by the time this episode comes out, maybe I'll record a little clip about how and where to go and get a copy of the book yeah. and was then that? when to come and talk about it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Or you going to Was that the book that I texted a picture
1: of to you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's like at Out cool. on the Shelves. For everyone who listened to our episode with yeah. Avi, <laughs> Out on the Shelves has a copy. So, yeah. Cool
0: um uh, okay the last book that i put on this list um uh, because i didn't read that much this year uh was all that matters by and Choi. this was the first book that i read in 2019 and it's kind of a sequel to his first novel the jade peony it's set at the same time but from the uh the perspective of the oldest son and it's it's set in vancouver's chinatown in around the 1930s and 40s um, and shortly after I read this like a few months later Wei Sun Choi actually passed away um, and so that felt very heavy mm-hmm. um, but it was yeah like I can't believe I used to not like reading books set in Vancouver but yeah this was very familiar because the spaces were familiar um, and sometimes um, there would be Cantonese or like a, a similar dialect um written and sometimes there would be translations but like I could also understand and I could also see like that's not a that wouldn't be the translation I would use, but I could Ooh, kinda yeah. it was like a double meaning then. So mm-hmm. it kinda felt like, ah, oh, like secret messages just for me. Totally. <laughs> um but yeah it was it was sad that um he passed away and I think VPL did um like a celebration kind of event for him but I, I couldn't make it mm-hmm.
1: but, Yeah. I have so many more books I could talk about, but what I'll do instead is put a link. I have a little list okay. online of my favorite books, and I'll finish it <laughs> <laughs> and put a link so that people can see if they want other suggestions. Sure. Um, but uh, books are awesome. In library mm-hmm. school, people do this thing. I think we talked about this in our intro episode about, like, don't read the books or, like, don't say that you want to work in libraries just because you love books Mm -hmm. and I appreciate where that's coming from and I also love books and I think it is important that we talk about how great books are and we talk about the great books we read
0: and yeah I wonder because I haven't really taken any of the um, public libraries or like the youth advisory reading advisory classes but otherwise it feels like we don't really talk about books I know much. what a shame, <laughs> and what a shame it is. I did take a bunch of those
1: classes. Like I took the Readers Advisory mm-hmm. class, and I took a Youth Services class, and I took Public Libraries. And um, the Readers Advisory class was really the place that this came out. And for people who don't know what Readers Advisory is, it's basically like someone comes to you at the library and is like, "What should I read? Mm-hmm. What's a good book?" <laughs> and
0: it's so fun to get. It's that at so the info desk.
1: fun to have yeah. those questions. And if you have ever been to a library and asked a librarian that kind of a question they were probably really happy it can be very intimidating especially when you because someone asks, what's a good book and i'm not just going to tell them like definitively yeah well My favorite book from this year was (laughs) Little Blue Encyclopedia for Vivian. So that's what you should read because I don't know what they like. So you have to ask them all these questions like, what do you like to read and what's something you've enjoyed recently? And is there anything you really don't like to read? And then, you know, you can dig deeper into it. There's all this cool theory behind reader's advisory. And we should do a whole separate episode about it because it's really interesting about different, um, they're called appeal factors for books, like different things that people like in books and some of them align very strongly with specific genres and other of them really work across many genres Mm -hmm. Um, because often what happens is somebody like me I go oh I want to read a good book recommend something to me and people say well what do you like to read and I say science fiction fantasy Mm -hmm. and then they recommend something in that but actually as I learned from taking readers advisory what I like to read is books with A lot of plot and very lovable characters and ideally Mm -hmm. a long book or a series (laughs) and i like there to be good world building and ideally i like it to be a bit funny um and i like (laughs) there to be a diversity of characters and if there's like a political lean to the author or the book that's like lefty or anti-capitalist or anti-colonial then i really like it (laughs) so that that is like different than science fiction and fantasy because a lot of science fiction and fantasy is like very masculine war story things <laughs> and space colonialism and horrible shit. So I don't like those books, um, and that could be what someone would recommend. So that's what Reader's Advisory is about in a mm-hmm. nutshell. And it's really cool, it's very interesting. And if you want suggestions of books to read, you should ask your librarian, or if you um, Live in Vancouver or Burnaby, both of those libraries on their websites have forms you can fill out and someone will email you a list of suggestions based on what you say you like. Uh, And that's probably true at other libraries as well. Um, So those are my suggestions for people listening to this thinking, 2020, what should I read? How can I challenge myself? Where do I go from here? Um, I would recommend those things. And I would also really recommend, oh boy, I could talk about this stuff for a (laughs) long time. I would also really recommend thinking if you want to like push yourself to to try a, a reading challenge like book riot does a really good one um theirs is called the read harder challenge i have it here on my desktop because i've done most of it for this year and so in 2019 harder. it was a list of like 30 categories and you have to read a book that fits in each one so for example this year they had um uh i'll just read them a few in order an epistolary novel or oh, collect pis-
0: Oh man, I know what you're saying. Epistolary. Epistolary. Letters, Letters, right?
1: Yeah, I'm a person who
0: reads words and never (laughs) says them.
1: (laughs) Novel or collection of letters. Um, An alternate history novel. A book by a woman and or an author of color that won a literary award in 2018. Um, A humor book. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. It's got all these different things. An own voices book. Um set in oceania also a word i don't know how to pronounce a comic by an lgbtqia mm-hmm. creator so it what this reading challenge does is it's encouraging you to try new things that you may not have tried and um that's a fun thing anyways books how has your reading
0: changed over the past few years then like have you done these challenges before like no, like formally, this is the first just... time
1: I ever did. I've, I've informally challenged yeah. myself to stuff like that before. It's the first time I've done that with like a list. Yeah, There was a similar thing this summer. Vancouver Public Library um, had a book bingo and it had similar oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I did that. So that was really fun. Um, how has it changed my reading? To be honest... Like, I started doing this reading challenge when I started working last summer at West Vancouver Memorial Library because they, a lot of their staff were doing that. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so I started in May and I, like, looked back at what I'd read in the year and there were a lot of things that fit, so I put them mm-hmm. in. <laughs> okay. So it didn't, It there were other categories, like, there are categories I still haven't read on there. So there's some things that I need to look for and do before the end of the year Mm. um but yeah it does it challenges me especially for me it challenges me to read different formats yeah because I shy away from reading short stories and poetry and um things I can't pronounce that are actually collections of letters (laughs) and so it pushed me to try that and yeah, oh, I, love I think it's a good thing stories. to do. And it's yeah. good when you're trying to, when at work I have to talk to people about whatever they come in wanting to talk about. And sometimes it's yeah. scary because somebody comes in and says, I'm looking for whatever. Yeah, I think short story collections. And I'm like, I hate short stories <laughs> because as soon as I get all excited about what's going on, it's over. I know, I know, <laughs> but I feel like that's
0: what makes it so good. Like you think like I want it to go on forever, but then it's like a nice, perfectly packaged story but then i just feel sad after.
1: (laughs) i feel sad (laughs) i i appreciate that and i i do like reading them especially when sometimes some authors only write short stories so that's the Mm -hmm. only way to interact with their work and then i get really sad because i look them up and they don't have a novel and i'm
0: like what Junpa lahiri (sighs) has short stories and novels um and she's one of those writers that i'm really pacing myself because i don't want to read them all yeah i have the i bought the namesake for like 50 cents and i just don't want to read it because then i won't be able to read it again for the first time (laughs) yeah
1: yeah that's hard i i'm I'm all for rereading stuff too Mm -hmm. because i read fast and i read lots and i forget what i read and so i reread them it's like it's like it's new all over (laughs) again that's why this list has been really good um i've said a lot of things but karen i wanted to ask you a couple of questions too and one of the things i wanted to ask you because you mentioned it when we were prepping for this is this year you've been in school so you've oh. read not that many novels or short stories but a lot of scholarly stuff
0: oh man okay do you
1: have a fave um, you can pass
0: i can't remember if like there's stuff that i read this year or maybe it was like two years ago when i started this program
1: that's okay Well, we won't worry. Time is, uh... I'm
0: going to pass. I feel like there's a lot of... (laughs) I think there's a lot of resources out there for, like, scholarly... Is there? I don't know.
1: Well, we kind of talk about scholarly stuff you like because we interview the people. That's true. But, okay. Well, that's fair enough. We'll skip that. And then the other thing I was going to ask is next year you're going to graduate. Do you foresee your reading patterns changing
0: post graduation? Oh, I hope so. How would you like them to change? I would love to just read more novels. Yeah, honestly. You miss it. Yeah, because I, cause I am now working part time in a public library, and this woman, um, most of the time, I, they, they know what they want. Um, it's usually like another book by this, this mm-hmm. author that they really like. And I was helping her find. This book, and I just like made a comment, like, Oh, I can't wait to read again. She's like, You should, it's lovely, it's great. Aww. She didn't shame me about it for not reading. <laughs> um, but I would love because I, I spend a lot of time on public transit, but usually I'm just so tired, I just fall asleep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would love there's just I just haven't been because I, I do keep track of my reading, I use Goodreads, and it's I think I've only read 15. I don't care too much about the number, but I, I do like reading a mm-hmm. lot, yeah. Yeah, and I remember there used to be a point where I was reading, like, almost a book a week. Yeah. And it was great. And now I'm just... And I feel happier when I read. So, yeah. Yeah. There's cool. a lot of stuff I want to reread, too. Because right now it feels like everything's on fire. And I'm sad all the time. <laughs> um, but rereading novels that I really liked when I was little, kind of... It feels cozy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we should do an episode about rereading things because I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. People have really strong opinions about rereading things or not rereading things. Some yeah. people are so like, oh, I don't have enough time; I never reread it.
0: Or like owning books too.
1: Yeah. yeah, owning books. and
0: especially now though, being in a library all the time, I'm like, should I buy more books? Uh, and I, because I used to go to a lot of used book sales or like library sales, and I would get a lot of books for like really cheap but now it's i i think i buy books more intentionally like if i've read it and i know i love it like i like having it yeah me too
1: because i see all the new books at work and i take them out right away (laughs) (laughs) um yeah (laughs) so i don't need to buy them to get them fast thanks to everybody this, we're recording this in November, but it's going to come out at the end of the year. And thank you for listening to our podcast so far. We have exciting plans for 2020. And hopefully you all get a little break over the holidays and get to read beautiful things yeah. or start the year with a fabulous
0: book. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we can be found on Twitter at OrganizingPod. That's organizing with a Z and not an S. Our email is organizingideas at gmail.com and our website is organizingideaspod.wordpress.com. Bye!